0: Is right around the corner. College football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited time offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THBN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THBN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This offers for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. You got to Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana 1 800 9 W I T H I T. The 22nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
1: Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. It's Timeout technical, foul. Timeout. Technical, foul. technical foul technical foul on michigan Ed corbett says he can run the baseline hands in the ball brown gets it into williams here comes williams front court williams on the drive gets it back out the head long outside shot short rebounded may it's over carolina has won the national championship 89-72 and how about them tar heels they are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. It's been a little over a week or so since we were last with you. We got a lot to get to today. Hubert Davis talked with the media yesterday. We have takeaways from that press conference. Um, the ACC, the Big Twelve, the, the Big Twelve, and the Pac-12—they have formed an alliance. We're going to dive in a little bit on that, and a lot of notes to get to some important notes revolving Carolina basketball on and off the court as well. But before we get to all that, we start with the pod thought of the day and some foreshadowing, which we'll talk about Joel Berry in a little bit. We go back. We go to Joel Berry, who once said, uh, don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. And if you're being overlooked, just use it as motivation. Continue to push. You've got to believe in yourself and believe in what you can do. Some inspirational words from the former Final Four Most Outstanding Player when he led Carolina to the National Championship back in 2017. As I said, we'll talk about Joel Berry in a little bit later on the show. But as I mentioned, Hubert Davis met with the media yesterday, and I believe that was the first time he has met directly with the media since he was introduced as the head coach of the Tar Heels. Yep. He's done some interviews in some different formats podcast what have you but he hasn't directly spoken with the with the local media
1: he has broken some news in some of those media yeah. he has uh, he has not been shy
0: um, and he talked for about 30 some odd minutes yesterday and he covered a lot of different topics we're gonna hit on really what I thought was the the biggest takeaways from yesterday from yesterday's press conference and we'll start with the transfers um you know we got three guys transferring in Justin McCoy. Brady Manic, Brady Manic by the way, his new merch line is dropping this Friday.
1: Dude, I can't wait to get some of the hippest gear out there. And Brady Manic is definitely a guy that has some
0: style. I'm I'm telling you, if he comes out and he balls, there's going to be some Brady Manic merch on the Four Corners podcast. Dude, who
1: would not want modern day Larry Bird? merch on the spot. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I am excited for
0: that. And, of course, Dawson Garcia. So there was a lot of talk around those three guys, how they acclimated since they have joined the program. And I think Hubert Davis, if you we don't have any audio, we're just, we're just reacting to what he said. They've all three acclimated really well, as he mentioned, when they committed upon being recruited as transfers. They felt like Carolina guys from the beginning. They felt like they were a part of it. The, they be, they belonged here, and that they're natural fits with Carolina. But he did, you know, go into into uh, some particulars, especially Justin McCoy. And I think, and maybe you just maybe maybe you've been more open to this. I know for me, I've I've thought all along Justin McCoy is a small forward. That's it. He's going to play the three. But or Davis was pretty blatant. There will be lineups and situations and scenarios where he's our power forward on the court. And I found that very interesting. He's got the size to be able to compete and play down there, especially as a defender. That's the main reason why he, you're going to see him at the four spot more. It won't be more offense; be more of Carolina using him in a defensive lineup. But I thought that was very interesting, and I think it just proves how adamant Hubert Davis is is about having roster and player flexibility throughout his entire lineup.
1: I mean, he was, you know, when he was at Virginia, he played a little bit of four um, or was scheduled to play a little bit of four. So it makes it makes some sense. I think the, the biggest positive to take away from that is that there is flexibility with them. Uh, clearly, with him being talked about as moving back and forth between those two positions, he's got a role on the team. Like this isn't a guy that they're not liking what they're seeing from him or whatever. I know that a lot of people looked at him and compared him to the other two guys that Carolina brought in and said, well, this this really isn't all that great of a of a get for Carolina. But again, he was a, a guy that came out of of high school was relatively highly rated. Um, just really didn't, I guess, work out the way he probably wanted to at Virginia. And the second stop could be much more successful for him. But that's the the biggest takeaway for me out of that, is that he's got the ability to play multiple positions. And I think you're going to see that a lot when it comes to most of the guys that are on this roster, and especially in years moving forward, you're going to see guys that can play two or three positions on the floor. That's just that's going to be part of what Carolina is going to be with an offense with an offensive scheme mainly uh, that is going to stretch the floor. You're going to see guys that will fit in in different spots where normally in the past you would have said they probably wouldn't play.
0: Yeah, and I think it's. As I, I've said all along, I was a big believer in the way we played under Roy Williams, and I think there's a lot of aspects to the way we played him. We've you've got to continue, but that's where basketball is now. If, if you have guys that can only play one position, you're, value, you're you're not as valued as you used to be in in years past. A lot of talk about Dawson Garcia, and I know coming in, especially you know for Tar Heel fans, we so what he can, You're so
1: excited, you almost yeah. Not at all.
0: What he can do scoring the ball and how he's going to help space the floor. Hubert Davis said we're gonna be surprised at how good he can defend and I think that's something that is really important for this team. I think I think Carolina is gonna be much more committed defensively. I think they'll be better coached defensively. I think they'll be more bought in individually on the defensive end of the court, and he's going to bring a shot blocking element to this team that I think this team desperately needs. Armando Bacot has a lot of size, but I don't think anyone views as a, uh, views Mondo as a guy that can. That that is going to protect the rim at all costs. It also helps that now with Dawson Garcia, maybe Armando Baycott can be a little bit more challenging of plays at the rim because there is some depth behind him now, whereas in April there wasn't. But there's a lot of talk and hype around Dawson Garcia. I think there is a scenario where he is a starter when this season begins with Armando Baycott in the lineup as well. But some good things we're supposed to see from Garcia on the offensive end and the court, but especially on the defensive end as well.
1: The the other thing, I mean, you mentioned that he's going to bring some rim protection. And, I mean, he may. I mean, you look at his numbers from last year. They're not great. I mean, only half a block a game. It's more you're going to see a guy that can defend. You talk about position versatility. He's a guy that's going to be able to defend multiple positions on the floor. Mainly, this is what you're looking at. In years past, especially recently, Carolina, when they've had to switch on pick and rolls, have gotten destroyed because guys simply cannot handle themselves in in open floor one-on-one situations against quicker guards, even, even quicker threes. Where Dawson Garcia, I mean, look, is he going to be as athletic as some of those guys that he will get switched on to?
0: Uh, But his length will make up for it. His
1: length will make up for it. And he is much more athletic than a lot of the other guys that Carolina has had. There's a a lot better movement that he has on the defensive end that you've seen. I've talked about it a lot here as well. You know, on the offensive end, you're going to see it as well because he's a guy that's going to be able to drive the basket as your foreman something you haven't really seen a whole lot of at Carolina here in the last couple of years. I mean, that that's the thing that is so attractive about what he brings to the table is that he's a more modern big. He can do a lot of different things for you that some of the more traditional bigs that you've had in past years haven't been able to do. And, yeah, I, I think that's an area where if Carolina – is not going to score at a high clip. And I still don't think that it's a guarantee that that's just all of a sudden going to come with the switching offense. I think they'll definitely be better at scoring the ball. But remember that this is a team that just hasn't been good in the half court for a while.
0: I think that's going to change too.
1: got, I mean, but I think it will as well. But it's also probably going to come with some time. It's it's not going to be immediate. This is not going to be a team in the first month of the season where they're going to automatically be a a completely new team. I I, I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Maybe you think differently, but I think what I'm trying to say is there will be moments this season where they will need to lean on on their defense to win them games. I feel like with a more versatile guy like Garcia, a more versatile guy like Brady Manning, that can help you in certain situations.
0: One thing I'll manage before we move on to the next topic, he mentioned, you know, a guy six, seven or taller. He made the most threes in the history of the Big Twelve. We are going to see Brady Manic actually coming off ball screens, receiving the ball and getting into his offensive repertoire in that way. He's not going to be just a spot shooter like he was used at primarily at Oklahoma. A big thing that I took away from this press conference and a lot of and there was a lot of questions directed towards this was the staff. And I think this staff has proven itself on the recruiting front that they can relate to the the current kids in the recruiting, whether they're in high school or the transfer portal. But as much as, as much as important as recruiting is, and look, it's very important. You got to win basketball games at Carolina. That's what we care about. And, you know, the, the, the staff of Sean May, Jeff Lebo, Brad Frederick, Jackie Manuel and Pat Sullivan, it's a good staff. It may turn out to be a great staff. Off the top, it's not a sexy staff like we had under Roy Williams. He really dived into the roles for these guys. And for Sean May, Jeff Lebo, and Brad Frederick, of course, they're your assistants. So they're going to be responsible for scouting opponents throughout the season. He didn't really go into... What that's going to look like for Carolina under Roy Williams, they all were assigned games that they, of course, had to scout, and they're going to be, of course, the lead recruiters because they're the only ones allowed to recruit. Jackie Manuel, his his role, um, he was what Sean May was doing last year before Sean May was able to get onto the court. He's going to be pretty much running the program off the court, keeping in touch with former players, getting them here, stuff like that. He is allowed to work out with players. But it cannot be in a sanctioned practice. So if a guy wants to go get in the gym, Jackie Manuel can go get in the gym with them and work on their game. But due to, to the NCAA rules, it cannot be during their allotted practice time. Pat Sullivan, we know why Pat Sullivan's here. Player development, that relationship with the NBA. He yeah, is that's gonna, the least shocking of all. He, things. he, in a lot of ways, and we we hit on this when he got hired. He was probably the best hire Hubert Davis made. In terms of bringing in a guy with the, in the NBA model, you're wanting to play a more NBA style game, but it's really more about helping you have that relationship. to he's been in the NBA for 18 years. He knows everything about the league. He knows everyone in the league. Excuse me, you need to know. And I just think he's going to be really beneficial for this staff because, and I and you know, and I'll, we'll touch on this as well. Since CB McGrath left. In my opinion, Carolina's player development wasn't at the level it needed to be for this program to compete to win ACC championships, to make Final Fours, and cut down the nets in April. Maybe that was wrong, but I I think think we're about to find out because he is – if you listen to Hubert Davis, he is all in on player development, player development, player development, and that starts and ends with Pat Sullivan.
1: I mean, when was the last time that Carolina had a guy that was drafted outside of Cam Johnson that wasn't a one-and-done?
0: man. Uh, It's been a while.
1: It's probably been since CB was on the staff. I mean, seriously, like Cam Johnson was the only guy that didn't fit that moniker. Everybody else, if you go back and look, since I can remember that's been drafted has been a one and done guy. So that's the area that you're really hoping that Pat Sullivan can improve this team in, is that, I mean, you go back and look at some of the historic drafts that the Tar have had. John Henson, Tyler Zeller, Kendall Marshall, all those guys, go. all those guys were multiple year players. The reason they made it to the NBA was because they were developed right to beat first round NBA draft picks. That's the point that you're trying to get to with Pat Sullivan, and this is the thing about bringing him in. Is that it's great for the players that are already on campus. It's also really big in recruiting for your guys to be able to go onto the recruiting trail and say, look, we've got a guy that's been in the league 18 years that's helped you develop NBA players. Like he's developed guys that are already in the league. Now you're getting that while you're here at Carolina at the college level. You get a jump start on that. So going in, you're going to already be what the NBA needs you to be. That is, That is huge for this staff when they go out there and try to recruit some of these big-time guys. And I think, you know, it'll definitely have an effect on some of the guys that are, you know, multi-year players. But in terms of landing the top talent, I know people aren't wanting to recruit heavily in the one-and-done area of things. You still have to get some of that talent. Having a guy like this is really going to help. And honestly... I think it's also gonna give those guys that fit that one and done moniker a leg it, up. It's it's also they're gonna it's gonna give them a better chance to succeed in this system than we've seen over the past couple of years. Because let's be real honest, some of the guys that we've seen that fit that one and done mindset coming in, uh, they haven't been all that great nope. coming in. So this this should I think should help.
0: Um, he did touch on, you know, it was brought up Steve Robinson, Kendall Marshall, and some other guys that were interviewed for the job, for these assistant jobs, whether it was George Lynch or King Rice up in Monmouth. And he was just, he said, you know, he, he mentioned this when he got hired back in April. He wanted a staff that blended Dean Smith, Coach Guthridge, and Roy Williams all together in one. And he felt like Sean May, Jeff Lebo, Brad Frederick, Jackie Manuel, and then the addition of Pat Sullivan really cemented that philosophy he had when he put together his staff. Um, I know me personally, really excited to see Sean May in a coaching role. I think he is a great. He's I think he's a great ambassador for Carolina on and off the court, and I'm really excited to see what he can do as a coach. Moving on to another topic that we just kind of touched on with Pat Sullivan, player development. What's that look like? No surprise, Carolina's a lot of them. Since they've they've worked on in the summer when they've been together for their summer sessions, and of course in their off court workouts, we've seen a lot of uh, Kerwin Walton in the gym posting highlights on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Perimeter shooting, Carolina's got to shoot the ball better in this offense that he's going to want to play. If they can't shoot the three ball very well, he will. You know, you'd have to imagine you would revert back to what we did under Roy Williams, two men on the block playing inside out. You can still win basketball games that way, but he wants to play the way the game's being played now. So I think you gotta get you gotta get the guys around Corwin wanting to shoot the ball better. Caleb Love, RJ Davis specifically, if they can get above that 35% mark from behind the three point line, it's just gonna it's gonna open up this offense so many more in so many more ways. You're adding, of course, Brady Manic, a career 38% three point shooter from the four spot. You're going to see Armando Baycott shooting threes it's it's a it's a part of the offense. They are encouraging him to take three point shots. Um, of course, now, if it proves to be ineffective, then they may have to revert back to having him play other you know the way he used to. but that's that's gonna be something that we gotta get used to as target fans is that pretty much any guy on the floor is gonna have the green light to shoot the three point shot. And it's something that uh, I know for me I'm going to have to adjust to because there are certain guys that are on this roster last year I yelled at when they shot a three-pointer. But I do think this team is going to be much more improved shooting the basketball because they've worked on that a ton in this offseason, limiting turnovers. I think that comes with the maturity of this roster. Carolina was so young last year. It was one of the youngest teams we've ever seen. In our time watching Carolina basketball under Roy Williams, but you know some of some of the terms they made last year wasn't because they were inexperienced; they were just dumb it was it was just a lack of awareness, lack of basketball i q and then, as we you know we 've touched on, he wants this roster to be more versatile in all aspects of the game you 're wanting to play two point guards, but that means you may have a smaller point guard defending a bigger two guard or you get switched off a pick and roll you got a point guard on a small forward i think Car- i think we 're so focused on carolina 's versatility offensively, but I think it applies defensively. So he wants to have his guys that can defend multiple positions. He said Justin McCoy can defend the can defend the two through four spots as a guy that we're gonna play as a small forward or a power forward. To me that's invaluable. Um you can see Brady Manic sometimes if he gets switched onto a small forward, he believes he can hold his own. So I think the versatility for this team, this program, we're excited about the offensive end because we want to see the ball go in the basket, but it's going to be on the defensive end of the court as well.
1: I mean, it's got to be. I mean, you you talk – I was talking a little bit earlier about, you know, guys struggling off of switches, and that's something that we've been struggling for the last few years. They've just simply got to be
0: better. At, it's in all aspects, though, like the communication on the switch, I think, and Roy Williams harped on this last year. They didn't talk enough. And oh, no doubt. And so much about no it doubt. is barking at your guy, right. hey, I'm here, and knowing what to do. So it's is it skill? Yes, but it's also communication, in my opinion. Well, and, and here's the other
1: thing is that one of the the, the best aspects of the team back in 17 was Theo Pinson and how versatile he was and how many different positions he He could take away if you needed him to. Pretty much, you could match him up against the best player, two through four, and he would be able to handle his own against that player. That's the type of players that you're wanting to see more of in the program because we haven't seen that guy. We thought Leaky Black was going to be that guy. He's been good, but he hasn't been at that level. That's what they're looking for, guys that – if you need them, if they get put in tough situations and have no choice but to defend a guy straight up, they don't look lost. Because there were times where guys simply looked lost. As you're mentioning, communication's a big part of that. That's something that I think has to be a really big focus of this staff. And Huber Davis should know that. I think he does know that because he was on the staff the last
0: few years. It was also pretty telling last year. In empty gyms, if – you know, in the NFL and the NBA and stuff, you could hear, you could hear the players talking one and forth back and forth. There were a lot of games last year where Carolina, you couldn't hear them. And Roy Williams expressed that in the press conferences. He's like, "If I can't hear, then I know
1: you at home can't I mean, hear." Seriously, you, d- dude. Uh, when you go to the local YMCA, there should not be more communication between the pickup teams than the group that's out there. Like these guys are around each other. Now I know they weren't around each other all summer last year. Part of that. That, that probably played a little bit of a factor. It would be naive to not think that not being able to practice like you normally did over the summer and do everything that you normally do to build camaraderie and everything like that, did it play a role in why you weren't able to communicate as well. But at the same time, I mean, you're right. There were times where you just, they, they looked, there, there was. Yeah, I've got. But I mean, look the 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 COVID offseason definitely played a factor in it. I think that's something that's got to be taken into account. But yeah, I mean it's on it's on the staff, it's on the guys on the court to have better communication, and that's something that I think we will hear more about as we get closer and closer to the season. I mean, the, Hubert Davis was on the staff; he knows it's a problem. They're going to address it.
0: Yeah, I, I trust that too. One last thing before we. Move on to the Big Ten, Pac-12 alliance with the ACC. Hubert Davis kind of shared a lot with his relationship with football coach Mac Brown. Um, Their relationship is pretty well expansive considering that Mac Brown was the head coach in his first stand at Carolina back when Hubert Davis was, of course, playing under Dean Smith. The relationship after they both moved on from Carolina uh, ex- uh, extended. Uh, Hubert Davis actually used to go to Texas football games when Mac Brown was the head football coach at Texas. When Hebert Davis played for the Dallas Mavericks, said he always had two tickets for him and his wife whenever he wanted to go. And he spent a lot of Saturdays, he said, in Austin, Texas, supporting the Longhorns. But he kind of dove in on the coaching aspect side of things, and he mentioned a conversation they had back when he got hired when he addressed the football team that day back in April and about the way Mac Brown is practicing his team and conditioning his team. Mac Brown uses practice to condition his players. When they run – if they run after practice, it's not to get them in better shape. It's because it's a form of punishment. They had a bad day or whatever, and it's something that Hubert Davis has adopted. Is saying that uh, we're going to run enough in practice where you're going to be in game shape. So if I have to run you after practice, you got to do a 33 or something like that. It's because you haven't done your job as an as an individual and of course as a team. He did reference that they haven't had to do one of those such things just yet. I want to see how long that keeps up when this when they get into season they come off a bad loss if he's going to line them up and run them to death like Roy Williams used to do like I would do my team if I was a head coach if they played pretty bad they would just run oh we're talking like four-year-olds
1: out there <laughs> me up and down I mean this this would be like uh like Herb Brooks and Miracle Man I mean unbelievable but it, it's good seeing that you know
0: Hubert Davis as the face of the university and the and the head football coach still having a very good relationship now that Roy Williams has retired moving on to the Back, the ACC Big Ten Pac-12 Alliance. That was announced yesterday.
1: Yeah, I, I something tells me they may only go with the Alliance yes. instead of yeah, they, that mouthful that you just read off we, there.
0: we got to get something going for this. Um, so some notes about it. The reason why these three conferences have joined was to stabilize a, viol- a volatile environment in college athletics course. That is because of the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma – leaving the Big 12 to the SEC. You've had name, image, and likeness come up this year. Just a big summer in college athletics. All presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors of the 41 universities involved between the ACC, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 all supported the move. So it was something that wasn't even really a second thought. Um, and it's something that well, we don't have all the information about what this means now. Of course, they they did say there's going to be some scheduling involved between the three conferences and stuff like that. We know this move happens because of everything. It was because of football. Because they don't ever think far enough to see how it going to affect other sports, basketball, baseball, whatever. So, what does this mean for college basketball that three power five conferences
1: have an alliance moving forward? Oh, come on, dude. You're not believing the fact that Jim Phillips says that this is going to help even the Olympic sports all the way down? I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. First of all, Uh, Who would think that they didn't think this out? I mean, this rumor only happened, what, like a week and a half ago, and they're already apparently agreeing to it. Also, by the way, can we just admire the fact that they said in the meeting, we don't need a written agreement. We have agreed to this by looking each other face to face, looking each other in the eyes and agreeing.
0: Yeah, they, they shook hands, kissed each other on the cheek, and now we got an agreement.
1: I mean, what what is this? Pinky promise in, like, first grade? Like, I, I, come on. I don't—this I, don't, I, I this is the thing. I don't know what any of this means. I don't think that it really means all that much. Uh, to be honest, I think that this is damage control to try to remain ahead of the situation, to try to avoid what we talked about on both— This podcast and the Heel Tough blog podcast about those conferences eventually folding and being in a similar situation to the Big 12. Other than that, I think the only thing that comes out of this is you're going to have more games against each other. There's a chance, and we'll talk about it a little on the football side of things, because again, this is more, as as any realignment is, it's usually very football-based because... Football makes the most money of any of the sports, unless you're Kansas. Uh, so that, I mean, that... But other than that, I just... I don't see it making that much of a difference, especially in basketball. I, I really don't think it's it's going to be that much different. I think it just... It should give you some security if you're an ACC fan. May, and, and if you're... I mean... To be honest, if you're a Carolina fan, I wouldn't really have been worried. Yeah, anyways.
0: Carolina's going to be Carolina where they're in the ACC, the Big Ten. I mean, seriously. The SEC, the American, whatever conference they're in, Carolina's a national brand.
1: Mac Brown has been asked about it like four times since that came up, and Mac Brown, I think, puts it best. Carolina is going to be fine. They're such a big brand that people will be dying to have Carolina in the conference if they end up becoming a quote unquote free agent.
0: I, I think so, the thing you said was probably the the best thing is that for right now, for ACC lifers like myself who love this conference, for right now we we can have some closure that we're not going anywhere. We're not gonna exactly. crack, we're not gonna be decimated. We're not gonna lose schools to other conferences. We're gonna be okay. I am excited to see what they do about the scheduling. The only time we see a Pac twelve opponent is whenever we see UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic or in the NCAA tournament, because we don't really see Pac twelve schools. It'd be interesting to see Carolina going out west because the Pac twelve over the last couple of years has proven to be a better basketball conference than it used to be. You've got UCLA back, you've got Oregon has made a final four. Oregon, Oregon State made the Elite 8 last year. USC made a Sweet 16. There's a lot of good... Stanford's got Gerard Haas. There's there's a lot of good things that could come out of this, getting to see some other schools. What it really means, though, especially for Carolina, when you look at where what all they are contracted to already in the non-conference slate, there's not going to be any more gimmies, it looks like, in the non-conference season moving I mean, forward. yeah,
1: I don't understand what a gimme was, honestly. I think there were like two or three on there that you thought were going to be wins, but I I mean, if you're telling me there's going to be even less of those, great. I, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that.
0: Right. Um, you know, of course, the ACC and the Big Ten have their challenge. The Pac-12 has a contract with the SEC to have the Pac-12. No, that's the Big Ten. So the Pac-12 does not have a, a, a challenge. So an ACC Pac-12 challenge could be interesting if they were to do that. I would love to see what the Big 12 and the SEC do. Put it in the middle or put it in the conference season in the late January, early February. Just get us a break because we play 20 ACC games now. To see another Power Five opponent, you can still learn a lot about yourself. Um, but so you know, that's that's where we are right now. Of course, a lot more is going to come out of this moving forward in the weeks to come. Maybe even a contract between all three of these conferences. Last week, we'll close on some notes, and uh, so we've got some important ones. Uh, foreshadow, we're going to talk about Joel Berry later on the show. Joel Berry announced yesterday in an interview um, on Instagram Live. He's retiring from basketball, and this is less than two weeks after competing in the summer league With the Charlotte Hornets, of course, Joel Berry had a four-year career at Carolina, played in two national championship games, won a national title in 2017, was the most outstanding player of that Final Four, became the second player in the history of the NCAA tournament to score 20 or more points in national championship games um you know just a legendary career at carolina his number hangs in the rafters pro basketball he's had a lot of success overseas tried to make a comeback in the nba level doesn't like it's of course it doesn't like it's going to happen and you know when i when i saw it it was kind of like well this was a guy that's a childhood hero of mine i cried watching him win us the national championship in 2017 bought a, a replica jersey from that final four run in 2017, but I'm happy for him because he he's come to a place. He's about to be a father very soon. Knowing that basketball has given him a lot, but as we always say, when you come to Carolina, we're more about what happens when the ball stops dropping and in your life moving forward. And it appears that time has come for Joe Barry.
1: Yeah, I i mean, it, you hate it. You hate to see it because he's a guy that was so talented and. One of de- Definitely a fan favorite He fought through a lot Especially during that National title season To be able to have The performance that he did In the final four With two bum ankles uh, But You know look I mean It's Something that I guess You gotta prepare for With just about Every one of these guys uh, That it's gonna happen At some point point. And yeah I mean I think it, Ultimately You know for him If he decides that It's time for him to move on Then you know it's It's great I think uh, you know, he's one of those guys, I don't know if he's quite on the same level as like Marcus Page that you look at and we thought immediately, whenever Marcus Page retires he's going to be a coach or an analyst something like that. I don't know if Joel Berry's interested in something like that. I think Joel Berry could definitely be a coach. He was definitely a great leader on the court at Carolina. So, I uh, I'll be interested to see. That could definitely be one of those guys. I mean, he was coached by Hubert Davis, so I think, you know, in the coming years maybe you could see him get added on uh somewhere on the staff or something like that, but uh yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's definitely Lu- not lukewarm what am i lo- what What am i looking for here i just uh it, it it's that de- you feel you feel happy for him but at the same time you just hate to see the career end for him because he was one of those guys that you thought if he ever got a real shot he could be able to turn it into a pretty good career because we saw the type of player that he developed into uh, Carolina, and you got to give a shout out to our guy George, uh, who does the Ceiling Is the Roof podcast. Uh, he was the guy that actually interviewed him, and uh, that was where he announced it on Instagram Live. So great job by him um, getting that interview with him, and uh, just it's uh, it's pretty significant news because I thought you know we've seen a lot of other guys that have gone overseas and have had pretty lengthy careers over there. I thought at the least he would have an opportunity to do that but it seems like he i think the main thing is he wants to stay here in the in the u.s i think he realized that it really wasn't going to work out the way that he probably hoped and he's moving on to uh bigger and better things for him in his life so good good for joel
0: someone else that is moving on is andrew playtech (laughs) who did not get drafted in the nba draft after scoring over 50 points in a Summer league game in the middle of nowhere. He entered the transfer portal Monday afternoon. You think
1: he's a five star in the portal based <laughs> off of that performance at
0: like three o'clock? Um, uh, I don't even know what to say when I, I mean, when I saw the news. It was wow. just I, here's my. Thing. I just saw it and was like,
1: uh, "What?" Here, here's my thing. There are four <laughs> notes that you've put on here. This easily could be could be fourth on this list or third. I, I mean, look, man, wherever you go, The, the reaction goes, from I'm,
0: Carolina fans was just great. You got the people that were thankful for all you did for Carolina. We'll support you wherever you go. And then you got the other end of the spectrum. Scrub, can't believe you played meaningful minutes. You started ACC games for
1: us. Yeah, I don't really get that part of It them. was like, It what, was just what, the end of the spectrum. What are we taking a shot at this dude for? Like, if he's going and transferring, I mean, I – I the thing that baffles me about this is I didn't think if you were in the NBA draft you could enter the transfer portal. I, what, what what's he, what's with the rules here? He I'm is. not understanding this. <laughs> Did he? So here's the thing: was he not officially entered into the NBA draft? No. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he sent that
0: highlight tape around and some and I some mean, college said, hey you still got an extra year of college basketball left to come transfer and play for us. So, so play tech entering the transfer portal.
1: He'll probably go to – he's from upstate New York. So, Binghamton, Stony Brook, Albany. I mean, it'll probably be a smaller school than he ends up going to. But I, I, I'm. what are you wishing ill will on the <laughs> dude for? Like, I, to be honest with you, he's, he was a hardworking dude. He just wasn't, wasn't all a, that talented. I mean, that was it. So my thing is, I hope wherever he goes, he goes and kills it. I, I'm not understanding the the negativity that goes towards him. But, you know, let's just, you know, wish him the best of success as well. Let's just move on because there will be people commenting on this part of the podcast. Nobody cares about play
0: tech, He's not on the team. Another piece of news that really caught my my attention and a lot of Carolina fans Steve, coach your buns off. Robinson
1: is not retiring from being an assistant coach. By the way, nobody is going to get that reference. You, you are the only person that calls him that. If by you the way. don't watch Roy Williams press
0: conferences, then then you don't get it. That's what he called him after he coached a game. It was either at Clemson or at Boston College. Roy Williams had a dizzy spell. I think that was Boston. I think that was BC. He said he coached his buns off, led the team to a victory. Um, you know, we all thought. When he wasn't retained by Hubert Davis, it was more the fact that he didn't want to be retained and, and was retiring. But we've learned in the interview yesterday that Huber Davis did, he interviewed Steve Robinson for the staff. So Steve Robinson was, of course, interested in still coaching. That has been premature. He is joining the staff over out in Arizona. Um, they got a new head coach over. They got one of Gonzaga's very top assistants after they moved on from Sean Miller. Um, so happy for Steve Robinson. Got some warm weather out there in the desert. Could be a big part of helping rebuild that Arizona
1: program back into a national contender. Dude, he's going to be rocking them shorts a lot more often yeah. out there. Am I the only one that, I'm going to be honest, when I saw this, I was a little... I was a little angry. I I'm was not gonna I lie. Was, I was just kind at Steve. I don't like. Look, we talked about the staff. Oh, I would much ago. rather have. I if,
0: and look, I think or, or I think Hubert has to put together a quality staff. But I feel
1: a heck of a lot better about that staff if Steve Robinson was sitting beside him on that bench. I'm not getting it, honestly. Like, if this dude still wanted to coach, I mean, what more do you need? I mean, you could say, well, he didn't play at Carolina; he wasn't a guy that was under Dean. Whatever you you could, but he was. But Steve Robinson is Carolina in as many ways as seriously. I mean, he was Roy Williams' top assistant for how long after Joe Holiday left, and he was a part of his staff. I mean, he Steve was an original member of his staff when he was a head coach of Kansas, right? Yes. Yes. I mean what I don't understand what more you would need. That that one look, I haven't had a lot many issues at all with what Hubert Davis has done. When I saw that report yesterday that, I, I got to admit, that left me a little baffled and, and a little bit angry.
0: Um, speaking of Roy Williams, uh, they're putting a golf, together, uh, golf tournament together to honor him and all the things he's done for Carolina. Um, he's getting his own retirement tour in a lot of ways. So he just didn't publicize it like Coach K is over at Duke. It's going to be October 25th and 26th at the Eagle Point Golf Club down in Wilmington, North Carolina. UNC will host 10 other will host nine other schools that be in Georgia, Houston, Indiana, Iowa, Louisville, Michigan State, NC State, UNC Wilmington and Vanderbilt so a neat thing. Didn't realize I was I was reading the press release. Roy Williams has donated a lot of money to Carolina. Whether it to be athletics, academic scholarships funds. He's donated a lot of money to the, to the golf program and has been a big part of Carolina becoming a National golfing brand at the college level, which isn't a surprise if you know Roy Williams. He loves golf because it is, it is.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that's that may not be quite as stunning. So, um, but really neat to see this going on. And is it bad that I'm disappointed that North Carolina A and T is not playing in this tournament? So I could see 34 year old freshman. J.R. smith out there on the yeah, on i'd
0: the much left. rather them be there than nc state but i guess roy williams wanted his school to beat state one more time as he's <laughs> entering <laughs> yeah i have a feeling they're not going to stand much of a chance in this <laughs> tournament. entering retirement well that's going to wrap up this edition of the four corners podcast for we'll let you go get you guys over the website heeltoughblog.com where it's uh we're right around the corner front football season next week is when carolina opens up that season at Virginia Tech, so we are getting you ready for football season. We have done every position preview on the blog and podcast format. We've given you our bold predictions, and that's right. You can go read mine that doesn't have Carolina in the ACC championship game. Way to I, spoil it. And Come I on. explain it. So we've got bold predictions, breakout players, all a lot of football content up on the website. Uh, with basketball, we have the press conference takeaways. I did a little bit more in-depth article on that. Uh, with practice just over a little bit, over a month away, we will be getting you ready for basketball season. Shortly, podcast side of things, we want you guys to rate, review, and ultimately subscribe to the podcast. You can find us everywhere. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We're through Megaphone, but we're on Spotify. Tune in. Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. iHeartRadio. Radio. You name the podcast provider, the Four Corners Podcast is on it. Uh, rate rate me as the host, rate Anthony as the host. We want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every great uh, podcast that we do right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening. want to thank Anthony for hosting. And as always, go Tar Heels!